from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Marcello, the name that was just repeated in the intro, so I'm repeating everything you just heard. Thanks for joining the Auburn Undercover Podcast, which you heard in the intro too. Have you ever driven six hours to go speak to someone for like five to ten minutes? Uh, I do that all the time. That's It's in the uh, job description, <laughs> pretty much. Um, th- it's springtime, late springtime, going into the summer months. Uh, since I've been here at Auburn the last six years, I, I try to go to as many, if not all, of the booster club meetings where Auburn football assistant coaches go to speak, and they're invited to speak. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, six years ago when I got here, Gus Malzahn was a first-year coach, a lot of excitement, and I wanted to get to know more about the assistant coaches because I didn't arrive until, uh, I think, right before A-Day or something like that, right in the middle of spring practice. Anyway, when I got the job to cover Auburn, and I wanted to get to know Gus a little bit more. Um, I had covered him from kind of far away at times, and then, you know, also kind of like, you know, I was I was Rhett Lashley's age, still am, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I remember watching and even covering a couple of Gus Malzahn's uh, high school teams uh, back when I lived in Arkansas, lived in northwest Arkansas, and his teams just beat the crud out of us out of Farmington High School all the time. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, I wasn't playing. But, uh Anyway, so I would go to these booster club things to, to catch up with these assistant coaches and, and Gus Malzahn. And I remember the, one of the first ones I went to was at an airport, I think in Muscle Shoals to speak to Gus Malzahn. I was, I was one of two people there as far as reporters and media. It was me and a local TV person. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, and for the longest time, it was just myself and like one or two other people that would show up to these things. And it was great, selfishly, and for my readers because I was getting stuff no one else was getting. Well, the word got out <laughs> that everybody that I was doing this, um, and and so was another reporter or two. And now everybody goes to these things. So, for example, today's show. Uh, is a conversation with new Auburn offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham, who was hired back in December. He's not calling plays, but he's coaching the quarterbacks, and he's helping Gus Malzahn as Gus Malzahn transitions back into calling the plays like we're accustomed to seeing back in 2013, 2014. Well, we talked to Kenny Dillingham in Flowery Branch, Georgia, which is about a two-hour and 45-minute to three-hour drive from Auburn, depending on traffic and Darn you, Atlanta traffic. Gosh, I hate Atlanta traffic. It was awful getting over there. Coming back, not so bad. But um, seven reporters were there. Seven. Um, that is, like, unheard of. So I'm providing some context to all this. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is is that 
these booster club meetings where coaches go and talk, uh, it's become like a prime feeding ground for reporters to go speak uh, to the coaches and ask them questions because we haven't spoken to Kenny Dillingham, if you remember, since December when he was hired, well after he was hired, actually. Uh, we spoke to him at the Music City Bowl uh press conference for the defensive and offensive coordinator. And even though Dillingham wasn't really working or doing anything for the game, we still spoke to him because it was required, I guess, by the Music City Bowl. So we haven't spoken to him since December. We obviously haven't spoken to him during the spring when he's working with these quarterbacks. And obviously the big question everybody's got on their mind is about the quarterbacks, which, by the way, if you – have paid any attention to Auburn Undercover or, for that matter, probably any other website or news organization. It's very clear that the quarterback race is down to two players, and those two players are newcomer Boo, 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 Bo Nix. I almost said Bowie, Bowie, um, David Bowie, Bo Nix, and Joey Gatewood, or as fans are calling them now, I guess, I guess Bowie. I guess we just always have to shorten things, don't we? Like Brangelina. Was that that was a thing. Anyway, so those two, Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood, have separated themselves from the pack. Auburn's still not saying that. And we'll get into why they're not saying that in this conversation with Kenny Dillingham that he had with myself and six other reporters. Um, but we spoke to him for about 15 minutes and here are some of the better clips I wanted to get to, so you can hear it from himself. Obviously, there's stories going to be coming out of this, um, and including an, an interesting kind of anecdote and an approach to his uh, his relationship with Gus Malzahn as a coach, and then also personally, and how he's taken a much different approach with that than the previous coordinators, being Rhett Lashley and Chip Lindsey, who very much wanted to run their own offense and do their own thing and obviously weren't really doing that. Uh, Kenny Dillingham is from the opposite side. He's like, if if you want to be the most successful offense, the best thing is for the head coach to be calling plays if he's an offensive guru guy. He says, if you look through history, the most, most successful head coaches who have an offensive background actually called the plays as head coaches. But anyway, I'll have more on that in a story at auburn.247sports.com. But for now, let's get to know Kenny Dillingham first, real quickly. This is a guy who is not accustomed to small-town life. He grew up in Arizona, I think in the Tempe, Scottsdale area, all that stuff. And then his first major job um, was at Arizona State, so obviously big city, and then Memphis. So how's he you know, adjusting to life on the plains where it's it's quaint and quiet and uh, I mean I love it. A lot of people love it. How's he how's he dealing with uh not living in the in the big city? I've never lived in a small town. So probably living in a small town, being thirteen minutes from work, being able to and I'm far, you know, <laughs> and being able to, to walk around and going down and seeing the teepee on the trees after the basketball games, you know, I've never been or lived in a place with such tradition. So I think it's really cool to be in a place where we win a basketball game and me and my wife go down and the entire city is just erupting 
throwing toilet paper on trees like we're, like everybody's 10-year-old, again, going to houses that, that, that their buddies are at. Like, it's literally a, a surreal moment for me and, and my wife who are from the West Coast and never really have gotten this true Southern tradition to really feel what it means and feel what uh, Auburn is because it is a unique place. As you could probably already tell, and from the videos and pictures and even from listening to him just now, Kenny Dillingham's a very upbeat guy. I mean, he's 28 years old. He's got that youthful exuberance. Uh, life hasn't smacked him in the face too often. Uh, <laughs> as some cynical people would say. Um, he did tear an ACL in, in high school. They ended his high school career, and he ended, that's why he ended up becoming a coach. Um, and actually was a linebacker, moved over to offense, and learned. Um, and I wanted to talk to him more about this one-on-one, but I couldn't because there were six other people there. But just because I've gotten this from Gus Malzahn, too, from talking to him about how football is very kind of a simple game if you really just get down the nuts and bolts of things. And just because you're a linebacker doesn't mean you can't be a quarterback guru or something within like three years. It's all about just sitting there studying and learning. It's like anything else. Um, but you know, there's always the technical side, the fundamentals, body movement and all that stuff. So I'm always, I'm always interested about how a guy like Kenny Dillingham, he obviously didn't play quarterback, but how he teaches fundamentals and everything when he never really played the the position himself. I'm always interested in that. I wasn't able to ask him that because I want to do that on a one-on-one setting. Don't know if I'll ever get that, but, um, anyway. I really wanted to check in with that. But he's an upbeat guy. The players love him. I mean, if you think about it, him and Cord Sandberg, who's probably going to be the third or fourth team, probably the fourth team quarterback. I mean, they're only four years apart in age. Isn't that crazy? Cord Sandberg, of course, was in the minors playing baseball for six years before he came to Auburn as a quarterback. But uh, Kenny Dillingham, only 28 years old, he's a really upbeat guy. And why shouldn't he be? He's young. And here he is discussing why he's so upbeat. Well, I think, I mean, the biggest takeaway I got was I thought our guys had fun. You know, when I first got here, I felt like that was kind of the the downfall was kind of, you know, people weren't flying around and having fun. And at the end of the day, football is a game where you got to be focused and you got to be intentional with everything you do, detailed. But you also got to be able to have fun. you got to fly around and, and be play who you are. You have to play to your personality. So I thought that was the fun thing for me was to get to know the guys, get to know their personality, and then try to bring out their personality uh, with how they play. I mean, I'm 28. I better be. I mean, I better. I better be jogging around. I mean, when I when I'm 58, maybe I'll I'll get a Segway or some new technology and, and go around. But but right now, you know, that that's kind of who I am. I mean, I'm I'm an all-in type of guy. I'm, I'm energetic, on the field, off the field, whatever I do. You know, that's kind of it's kind of who I am. So when I when I hit the field, I'm gonna be who I am, and uh, I'll always be that way as long as as long as my unathletic knees allow me to. So, of course, all the reporters that were there. Uh, earlier this week in Flowery Branch. Uh, beautiful setting, by the way. It was like on a, I don't know if it was a pond or a lake. I, I don't know. I've been there once before, uh, actually, to talk to Herb Hand a few years ago. And by the way, when I went there, I was the only reporter there, and I think a second reporter showed up later and I left because uh, I got what I needed. But um just shows you how much things have changed. But um we were speaking to him outside. There was pollen everywhere. There were bees bumblebees like four of them buzzing around his head it was, a, it was a miracle none of us got stung or he didn't get stung uh but um we like the first question out of the shoot i believe was about the quarterbacks 
and what's going on there. And it was very clear and apparent uh, from the, from the get go. He was not going to say, you know, these two guys are the guys to beat. Um, or for that matter, these are the two guys and the other guys are just going to have to deal with life as being a backup this upcoming season unless injuries happen or something else crazy happens, like a player doesn't live up to what they were actually expecting uh, coming up in August. But he went into a little bit of detail about the, I guess, selection process, if you want to call it that, with the quarterbacks, why we haven't heard anything yet after the spring, hint, he and Gus Malzahn have got to finish up their exit interviews with all the players and then inform the quarterbacks of who's where and what. And it's just like that sometimes. Sometimes even the most obvious thing, you still got to sit down with the people and let them know. I mean, you know, I think we've all been that through that in life, whether it's getting fired or being hired or whatever. You have to actually have to sit down and have that, you know, face-to-face discussion where it confirms what you were already feeling or believing was going to happen. And that's what's got to happen at Auburn. And that's apparently going to happen this upcoming weekend and next week, uh, potentially Wednesday when we speak to Gus Malzahn again. But here's the thing. I was told, uh, even before the A-Day game, that it was possible – Gus Malzahn was going to come out after the A-Day game and say, hey, we have a good feeling of who our two two guys are going to be competing for the job, and we need to sit down and talk with the team about it. He didn't say that, though, Um, but it's very clear in people, listen, that I trust implicitly uh, within that program that the top two quarterbacks are Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood, and that's how it's going to end up being. And this coming Wednesday – when Gus Malzahn begins his Tiger Trek, or they don't call it Tiger Trek anymore, Ambush is what they call the Ambush Tour of these Booster Club events on Wednesday, I believe in Dothan, and we'll be there, of course. Uh, that's when we might finally hear our first uh, inkling of what's actually happening with the quarterback battle. So I want to get to Kenny Dillingham and what he had to say about the quarterback battle, but we'll get to that right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Kenny Dillingham was asked several questions about the quarterback battle. Obviously, he wasn't going to give too much away about how he feels, who's standing out, where, and whatever, you know, as far as a pecking order. But he did provide some pretty good insight as to what he likes about each player, why they're making the decisions that they are, and why there's such a delay in everything. Here are several of his answers. Some of them... Do not include the questions because the audio wasn't very good, but I cut it as such where it's it, it's not taken necessarily out of context. You will hear some questions on this. Some of them you will not, but trust me, you will not be lost when you listen to these. So here's Kenny Dillingham discussing the quarterbacks. I think the ideal situation is narrowing it down to you know two guys who we feel like can, can win it, but at the same time, uh, you can never push those things, you know, a starter will emerge when a starter emerges. And I think, 
you know, people always ask, is there a timeline? Is there this? When are you going to make a decision? I don't think every situation is different. A decision is going to be made on our starting quarterback when one of our guys on our football team rise up and they make the decision. You know, that, that's not a that's a decision the, the offense coordinator and the head coach make, but at the same time, it's a decision the player makes. When the players separate themselves from one another, that's when the decision's made. And until then, uh, you know, we'll just go status quo. I mean, you look at a guy like Joey, who's just a physically dominant creature. I mean, you look at a guy like Malik, who's athletic. You look at like a guy, a guy like Bo, who's sneaky athletic. And they can all throw, and they all have their own strengths. So I do think the offense will be adapted around our players. I think that's one thing Coach Malzahn has always done good, is he's adapted around his players. And he's gotten the players and the playmakers the football and, what, and things that they do good at. And that's one thing that they've done a phenomenal job here is they put players in positions that they can be successful at, not something that the offense does, something that those players can do. Oh, I can see a scenario. I can see a variation of, some, of, of scenarios from that, from that standpoint. You know, hopefully people separate themselves, but at the same time, we're going to play the best people who we feel is necessary to win football games. If that's 17 quarterbacks, I don't care. If 17 quarterbacks give us the best chance to win and playing six different Wildcat guys, it doesn't matter to me. We're going to put the players back there who we feel is necessary to win football games. We, we heard a lot in the spring about how much more confident Joey looked. And I know you're new here, but just from practice one to practice 15, how much did you see him kind of improve in that area? Oh, twofold. I mean, absolutely twofold. I mean, Joey's a an awesome kid. He's quiet. So by nature, he doesn't he by nature, he doesn't feel confident. You know, and that doesn't mean he's not confident. Just the perception of him is going to be not confident. So the biggest thing that, that we worked on is one learning the offense. And then when you learn the offense, being assertive. You know, if you're going to be a quarterback in the SEC, you're the face of a program, you've got to be assertive. You can't be a passive person. You have to be your personality, but there are times where you're going to have to learn how to be aggressive and how to clap loud or how to say the cadence loud, how to communicate loud, how to kind of take command. You don't have to be that all the time. But I think the biggest thing with Joey was kind of getting him out of that comfort zone of you're not a freshman anymore. Jared Stidham is not here anymore. There's nobody who, who you, who's you're looking at and saying, hey, is it my turn to talk, right? It is your turn. It is your time. Take it. And I think throughout the spring he got more comfortable just kind of with that mold and kind of with that role, which is hard for, I mean, you're, you're still dealing with 19-year-olds, which people forget sometimes. How do you deal with Bo Nix as a you know, guy just fresh out of high school, you know, should we go into prom and all that? And, you know, he's competing for a starting job. How do you handle him, like, psychologically? Well, I mean, for him, I mean, he's a guy who's – he's all in day one. He shows up and he's ready to roll. He's up in the office watching film on his own. I mean, he's, he's doing everything that, that you would want. So I think for him, it's more he's trying to feel out where his role is. So you, you because of the competition, you have guys kind of feeling out, when can I assert myself? When can I not? And I think that's part of the reason why we want to narrow it down is so we can have guys kind of step up and kind of, hey, one of you two, one of you three, whatever that number is, lead. Lead. And when you're, when you're having a four-man competition, it's, it's harder to do that, especially for younger guys because they don't know they're learning how to lead. And then leading through a dynamic of competition – of four men is very difficult. What we're looking for is to kind of give a few guys an ability and a platform to lead. And I think uh, I think we have guys who, who have that trait.
How, how was yours and Gus's working relationship just sort of lined up with what you were expecting coming into the job? Oh, it was, it was exactly what I expected. I mean, he's going to be a hands-on, which which he should be. I mean, if you you can say what you will, but he's still the number second and fourth offense in the history of the SEC. He still had the number one offense in the country twice, right? He still won, I believe it's the second longest tenured coach in the SEC. He's been, there's only three coaches, head coaches that have, during his tenure that have played in the SEC title game his amount of times since he's been a head coach. So when you think about the success that he's had, he's got like the eighth best winning percentage over the last seven years since he's been here. So when you look at his success, it speaks for itself. So for me, is it's exactly what I expected, him to be extremely hands-on, and I like it because he's the head football coach. And when your head coach is hands-on, when your head coach is involved, the players feel that, and the players feed off of it. And I think our players fed off of that this spring. In the end, I think that no matter what happens as far as who's the starter between Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood, I think Joey Gatewood's going to play no matter what. <clears throat> because just as Kenny Dillingham said right there, he's a freak uh, athlete and a big dude, and they can utilize him in the Wildcat spot. I know it's a Wildcat spot. They're probably not even in, actually in a Wildcat package with the extra blocking lineman. I think they would... I think they would just put him in a quarterback and let him run some inside zone or something like that or, you know, throw some passes in the red zone. Um, I, I think that both quarterbacks are probably going to play in that season opener against Oregon. And, hey, I know it's four months away, <laughs> um, actually four months and one week away from when I'm recording this, but it, the writing seems to be on the wall already, even if they're not saying it, you know, publicly. So, anyway... That was Kenny Dillingham. We have much more from him uh, coming up in written form at auburnundercover.com, auburn.247sports.com, so make sure to check that out. The NFL draft is coming up, so we'll see where Jared Stidham and Darius Slayton, Dontavious Russell, see where they get drafted and where they go. I don't expect anybody in the first round, obviously. Um, A lot of stuff still going on. Baseball, softball. Softball is on a very uh, downward, they're on a downward swing right now. I don't know if they're going to recover. Baseball, they're hanging in there. Um, we'll see what happens. But anyway, I wanted to share some audio with you from our conversations with Kenny Dillingham. Um, I love going to these booster club meetings because sometimes you get some stuff that you don't necessarily get. And secondly, sometimes you're the only reporter or one of two reporters there. But as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, over the last six years, times have changed. Um, I used to like sneak around to these things and like, you know, I, I like to tweet. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I tweet a lot, good or bad. <laughs> most, most people say I'm bad on Twitter, but uh, I would never tweet like where I was going or what I was doing or even, you know, provide, uh, you know, a hint on message boards or anything like that. And, uh, so I would just show up, you know, four hours away from the nearest beat writer and go, hey, I'm here speaking to so-and-so tonight. I remember doing that once with Melvin Smith. I was the only reporter there, and I had another reporter text me going, I had no idea that was going on tonight. And I'm like, ha, take that. Anyway, <laughs> just a little inside thing there on competitiveness between reporters, which none of you care about. You just want the information. So, and I understand that completely. You just, just give us the information, stupid. So anyway, that's it from Kenny Dillingham. The next opportunity to speak to anybody on the Auburn coaching staff will be, I believe, Wednesday. 
with Gus Malzahn. I know Kevin Steele's speaking soon as well, and we're going to try and go to that um, too. Um, so plenty of coverage coming throughout the spring on football and summer as these assistant coaches and Gus Malzahn make their trek through this ambush tour. I still call it Tiger Trek. I don't know why they call it ambush, but I'm not a brand manager. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast, where it's not just me talking, because I get tired of hearing my voice too. Thanks for listening. See you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.